1: Welcome to episode 86 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I have the privilege to speak with Renee, Carly's Mom. I don't know how many times I can say this, but sometimes certain guests just come into my life at the exact right moment. Renee is again one of those. This month, April, although this will be released in May. The month of April is challenging for me because April equals Andy in my mind. April's his birth month. In fact, his birthday is tomorrow, the day after I recorded this episode with Carly's mom. Because this is Andy's birthday month, I have been really down, more down than normal, I suppose, and I needed someone uplifting. That someone is definitely Carly's mom, Renee. Even after the horrific loss of her daughter, Carly, Renee has a wonderful spirit about her and is so encouraging to other people. Her uplifting stories along her grief journey certainly have helped me through this tough week and month. And I know they will bring comfort to you as well. So enjoy Carly's mom. Welcome to the show, Renee. I really appreciate having you on today and talking about your daughter, Carly.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Yes. So why don't you start out just by telling us all about Carly and what a great kid she, she was.
2: Oh, well, I would love to do that. Um, Carly was the first of my three daughters, and my husband and I were sweet, high school sweethearts. So by the time we got our careers underway and did everything we were supposed to do, I was ready for Carly. I actually felt like I had waited for her most of my life.
1: Really? Wow. Yeah.
2: I was a big sister, the oldest of three girls and the cousins. And, and so I always wanted a family ever since I can remember, you know, I loved playing house. I was the school teacher with the kids, you know, the whole thing, the leader of the pack. So when I was pregnant with Carly a couple months into our marriage, I was thrilled. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't wait. Uh, I didn't know if she was a boy or a girl at that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So when I had her, it was pure joy, and I couldn't believe my husband and I had like fifty percent him, fifty percent me. Yeah. It, it was just, it was just beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is so exciting.
2: Then I had two other girls, which my mother had three daughters, so we were like a family of women. <laughs> so we. <laughs> We all, you know, just fit right in together with the girl power. And Mm -hmm. Carly was the first grandchild, first niece for my sister. So she got all the attention for the first two and a half years. You know, she was very loved and Mm -hmm. just a fun little girl. Yeah.
1: And so talk about her growing up.
2: Well, she was quite the talker very early. And she was like a little miss, you know, the little adult. And um, she was very independent, though. So, and my husband always laughed because when he came home from work, he would read the stories. And because he was tired, the bedtime stories, he would try to skip a couple of pages. <laughs> but Carly would stop him dead in his track. She's like, Dad, that's not how the story goes in this. Get a very distinct voice. So you, you could never pull the wool over Carly's eyes, even at a young age. And now I'm dating myself, but for her birthday party, we had Barney, you know, the Mm -hmm. purple elephant. (laughs) Oh, sure. And somebody dressed up. And of course, you know, it was expensive. So, you know, we just put all our, we just couldn't wait for Barney to come and surprise Carly. So when Barney walked into the party, I'm holding Carly, I guess she was two and she looked, she may have even been younger. may have been her first birthday. And she said, that's not Barney. (laughs) And I thought, okay, that was short-lived. Yes. That was a lot of
1: money for nothing. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. That, yeah. Carly, you you definitely couldn't pull the wool over her eyes. Mm-hmm. She was very sharp. Very fun. And then as she got older, she excelled in many things. There was nothing Carly didn't do that she didn't do well. She sewed. Mm-hmm. She sewed her own dress for the dance. Wow. Yeah. She was an artist. And I come from a family of artists. My other girls are artists. My mother's an artist. My sisters are artists.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So very artistic. She was very earthy in spirit, very loyal as a friend. She had a million dollar smile. That's what she was known for. She had deep dimples. Mm Mm-hmm. My neighbor said, your daughter's got a million dollar smile. And then we used to go to an Asian restaurant and the owner called her dimples. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was very talented and she was on the National Art Honor Society in high school. Wow. Yeah. And then she um, went to the community college because she wasn't sure what she wanted to do. She was on the dean's list there. And then she made pocketbooks that were so hippie-ish and so funky. And I was wearing one and somebody asked me where I got it when I was out. And then she asked me if Carly would be interested in selling them in Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah. What
1: was that again? What was she making?
2: Pocketbooks. I don't
1: even know what that is.
2: A purse, a pocketbook?
1: Oh, a pocketbook. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Your accent, your accent, got
2: me for a second. Uh, I, I don't even realize I have an accent. Oh. But yes, okay. a, a, a pocketbook, um, and she would braid the handle, and okay. then fr- you know, sew it out of ma- different materials. They were just really different, and quite a collection.
1: Wow! So
2: she sold them out right in Philadelphia, and uh, she loved to cook. Both her and I are avid cooks. Mm-hmm. And her food was just amazing. I mean, she was known for her rustic pizzas.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
2: And she would make them for me when I got home from work. And she would do sliced pears, arugula, blue cheese. I mean, they they were like no other pizza I ever had. So...
1: Oh, that's fun.
2: Yeah. 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 She was a lot of fun. She was a big spirit. She definitely had her opinions and you knew about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She didn't, no biting the tongue, you know, so a little bit sassy for sure, but she was a very loyal friend and she valued her friends very much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she would have given you the shirt off her back That's in, in a minute.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. nice. And it's nice to just be able to talk about her again, isn't it?
2: It really is. And it's been almost eight years and it, it does get difficult as time moves on. That it's first, it feels like they weren't here, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets isolating, yeah.
1: So, why don't you talk now about what happened to Carly?
2: Well, Carly went through a certain set of circumstances as a young adult. Um, she was with a, her boyfriend for four years, and he ended up being with one of her best friends. Oh, no, mm-hmm. yeah. She was devastated and she applied to an art school that she desperately wanted to get into and was rejected. She worked very hard at it. And at the same time, Carly lost friends because of the situation with this girl that they all wanted to be at her house Mm -hmm. because that was the house everybody went to to hang out. So then I guess being young, the girls still wanted to go to that house. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: They started telling Carly that they were going to do this and that. And in fact, they were at that girl's house where Mm -hmm. they said they would be doing something else. So obviously she wasn't invited to the girl's house. Right.
1: That's gotta be devastating as a young person. It
2: was. And she became very depressed because we live in a small area and you know, I was the mom, Carly, you can make new friends, you know, but I was trying to put an old head on young shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see the forest through the trees, but her friends were everything to her. And so the rejection around her was large Right, that she felt. And I did try to get her into therapy, which she did go. Um, she ended up, she worked at the same restaurant for eight years from the time she was 15 to when she passed at 23. Mm-hmm. So it's an, obviously a restaurant in our neighborhood. And my husband and I would go there for dinner all the time. And she met someone there that she used to go to high school with. And they ended up getting together. And she told me about him and that he had a history of substance abuse.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was upset. And I said, no, Carly, you know, you can't fix him. You know, oh, I know, mom. He's just someone to hang out with. Yeah. So, because she was vulnerable and lonely, they paired up and she tried to help him with that substance abuse. And the mother of him wanted Carly to help her son. Sure. She was glad to have Carly.
1: Right. Because she was a good influence.
2: Mm-hmm. Ex- exactly. But eventually, he introduced her to heroin. Mm. And she tried it. Mm-hmm. For the life of me, I don't know why, yeah. but she did, and it was later on in their friendship relationship that this happened. And he lives two blocks from me. Wow. Yeah, but I never knew him because they didn't socialize together in high school. Right. Just at the restaurant, they'd met up again. I particularly didn't care for the relationship, you know, or him. I I tried, but. He wasn't like anyone else that she had dated. I'll put it that way.
1: Right.
2: I talked to her about it. And, you know, she was 23, mm-hmm. 21, actually, when she met him. So there's only so much you can do. Carly lived with us. She was an adult. All I could do was parent her and mother her and give her advice. Yeah. So right before she died, we had told her enough is enough. I started seeing changes in Carly. She was kind of avoiding me. She would abruptly leave the house and not tell me mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, mom, I'm running out to the store. I mean, we would be in the middle of a conversation and I would go in the living room and I would think, where's Carly? So I've call- I said, where are you? You know, so these things were starting to come to fruition to me that something was wrong. Right. And yet, to be honest, I was searching her bedroom, nothing. Because I was suspecting.
1: Because you didn't know about the heroin?
2: No. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Not not when she started using it. Right. Right. Six months into it is when I started to get suspicious. But I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she wasn't going to tell me. So I'm trying to keep track of what happened. Finally... Uh, Carly, I'm a nurse and I was at a patient's house and Carly called me from our family doctor, her office. And she said, mom, the doctor's treating me with an antibiotic for a spider bite that was in the antecubital spot of her arm where you would inject.
1: Yeah,
2: And I said, what? And Carly didn't tell me she was taking an antibiotic or show me the spider bite. Mm -hmm. I'm her mother. She's been on antibiotics. She lived with us. She doesn't tell me. So the doctor got on the phone and she knows me, our family doctor. And she told me that it's a spider bite and she's going to send Carly to the ER for IV antibiotics because the by mouth, the pills weren't working. So I said, I told the doctor, I said, this isn't a spider. I don't believe this is a spider bite because now everything's coming. All my thoughts. Now I'm figuring it out. So Carly went to the hospital, our local hospital. I met her there and I saw her arm. And it was, she had cellulitis. It was all Mm -hmm. swollen and red. Sure. And I said to the doctor in the ER, I said, that is not a spider bite. And he said, well, I see this all the time. He went back in, looked over her skin. He said, she has beautiful skin. It may may well be a spider bite. Mm -hmm. So I confronted Carly and she got angry. Yeah. Denied it. And then my husband didn't believe it. He, th- he said, she's too smart to do that, you know, but I knew as her mother, I just knew. Yeah. So they kept her overnight at the hospital. She came home. I called the doctor, our family doctor, while she was in the hospital. And I told her, I believed Carly was doing heroin. And mm-hmm. she said, oh, Renee, I don't believe Carly's doing her- heroin. She just, she just didn't believe it. Yeah. And when Carly came home, she had a follow-up with our primary doctor. Mm -hmm. And she did go and Carly said, mom, what did you tell the doctor? And I said, I told her everything, Carly. And you have to be honest with the doctor. She's going to help you. Mm -hmm. So Carly came home from the doctor and the doctor told her to get away from the boy. She was too pretty and too smart for him. And she wanted her to get into therapy.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And, And I'll never forget Carly saying, I hate when people tell me That I'm pretty and smart. And that struck me as odd. And I realized that her self-esteem, I think, was plummeting. And so she tried to make an appointment to see a therapist. I didn't know if doctor asked her about the heroin.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure.
2: But I said, uh, I decided to let Carly work it out with her doctor. Mm -hmm. Because I assumed the doctor brought it up to her. Because we spoke about it even though she didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm telling her. And Oh, and and she said to me, did Carly get a drug screen? And I said, I don't know. They won't even speak to me because of HIPAA and you can call because you're the doctor. And I was on Carly's HIPAA with our family doctor. So that's why we could speak. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So my husband had gotten Carly a new car. He's a mechanic. So we found a really cool white escape and, you know, Mm -hmm. Fixed it up for, she had broken up with her boyfriend. I'm fast forwarding a little bit after this hospital day. She had gotten into the culinary program. It was brand new at our college and she was excited. Her and I were talking about opening a cafe together.
1: Right. Mm
2: -hmm. So we were, just as everything had started to fall apart, everything seemed to be coming together.
1: Right.
2: We told her her boyfriend and her had to, if she was going to see him, she had to move out because it was, it was not a um, productive relationship. It was just codependent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She did break it off with him. She loved the car. Um, She was excited about starting culinary school. And I thought finally, and she's going to get into therapy. I thought we had everything going on. Right. So she went to see the doctor for the follow-up. This is all within that week. We took my sister out for her birthday She had just had a new baby girl, my younger sister. Mm -hmm. And my girls were thrilled. And they all came out to lunch, Carly included. This was Wednesday. Carly, Thursday, went to work. We watched home videos of my 30th birthday. And she started crying. And I said, Carly, what's the matter? And she said, Mom, I just feel like you live and die. And what's the point? And I think she was feeling very sad about me being 30 and obviously I don't know she was there she was little in the video sure and so she was emotional and mm-hmm. she was a very sensitive person anyway. But anyway she went to work. My husband and I took off work Friday. We were going to have a vacation day together. My husband made contact with Carly on Thursday night at work because we were keeping an eye on her mm-hmm. you know sure. and so She said, I'm going out for Chinese food with my friends. I'll be home in about an hour. Well, we went to sleep. The next morning, the phone rang. It was 10 or 6 in the morning. It was our hospital. Mm -hmm. And they said, is this Renee White? And I said, it is. What's wrong? And I honestly had no idea. I thought my mother, who had had a stroke, was back in the hospital. And they said, your daughter was brought in at 4.30 this morning. And I immediately looked at Carly's bedroom and her door was closed. And I said, oh, my God, what happened? And they said, we believe it was a drug overdose. And I said, oh, my God, I'll be right over. Not even realizing that they would have never called me because of HIPAA.
1: Right.
2: If she had survived. That's something I thought of later. And they said, ma'am, she didn't make it. And I said, she didn't make it. And she said, don't come to this hospital. You will not get in. It is a crime scene. The coroner is on their way to get her body and you will not get in this hospital.
1: Oh, my word.
2: I, my husband and my daughters were standing around me saying, mom, what's wrong? Jamie, my youngest daughter, said she never heard a scream like that in her life right. because it it's a guttural scream. Right. It it's It's, you know, it's. From the wild. Yeah. From the wild. I mean, it, and I said, Carly died. And we were screaming on our porch at six o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah.
2: It, it, and then the crime scene and that all that going through my mind, what happened to my child.
1: Right. Right.
2: And the doctor, our family doctor called me because she got the report obviously, when she came into her office and she asked me what happened. Mm -hmm. And I said, she died of a drug overdose. I said, did you talk to her about heroin? And she said, I did not. She said, I did not believe, Renee, that she was doing that. I've known Carly my whole life. So Carly went there knowing the doctor was going to ask her about it. Right. But the doctor, I guess... Felt that as a mother, I don't know, I was being overzealous about something, I don't know, but she felt horrible, obviously, sure. and she went on vacation and she called me from her vacation and she said, "I'm sitting here on the boardwalk down the shore and I cannot stop thinking about Carly." It was just a, a missed, you know, opportunity for that conversation, unfortunately, and the doctor didn't believe it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and Carly, again, she did not look the part, whatever people think the part is of mm-hmm. someone on heroin. Mm-hmm. She went to work every day. All her bills were paid on time. Uh, she dressed well. You know, she was getting her nails done. She was hiding it very well.
1: Right. It is just such a crazy addictive substance that is just hard mm-hmm. nice to understand, I think.
2: It really is. and even for myself, my husband didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, right? But like you said, as a mom, I was seeing her behaviors change. And so the boy she was with, to sum it up, after getting Chinese food, she went and met up with her boyfriend mm-hmm. after they had broken up for a couple of weeks. So she, he injected her in the in the car because she couldn't do it herself. She overdosed immediately and there was no fentanyl in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, there was an autopsy and he picked her up and put her back in the car, her car. And he. it was in his parents' driveway. It was 2 a.m. And he left her there and went to a friend's house and watched a movie but never told the friend where Carly was. Oh my word. And then he pretended he got a text from Carly to the friend and the friend said, I thought Carly went home and he told him what happened. And he said, "He have to go back and check on her. So he walks back to his house and opens the door and Carly had slid to the floor of the car, but was still alive in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And then he shut the door and walked away, you know, walked back to the friend's house who said, you have to call 911. Mm-hmm. So of course he did. And then he ripped the battery out of his phone. And when the ambulance got there at this car in the driveway, they pulled my daughter out of the car. The police knew Carly. We live in a small town. They know us. We, you know, there's only like a couple of police officers. So they were working on, on her diligently to save her life because she had a pulse, but it was weak and, and thready. So they did everything. And when they got her to the hospital, the defibrillator and CPR, it was too little, too late. She was left for an hour and a half, which then it became a crime scene because he was charged with delivery of an illegal substance that resulted in death and reckless endangerment. Mm -hmm. So that became, you know, a a hearing in court almost a year to the day. Yeah. I thought that was going to kill me. I'd never been to court. I never, we had to tell the judge what our daughter meant to us. Her sisters say, I mean, how do you sum up what your daughter meant to you? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we became victims of a crime according to the courts. And then when I went to work, it hit the newspapers and all of my patients had the newspapers outside of their door. And there was my daughter on the front page man leaves dead girlfriend in drug overdose.
1: Yeah.
2: I just, and I'm at work. And my patient said, what is going on with young people? She had no idea that was my daughter.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: I'm at work. I mean, honestly, I the the profound shock and trauma from the phone call sent me into such a state that I felt like I was going crazy after mm-hmm. Carly died. I really did. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to pack a bag and go to the closest mental facility. Right, right. And then I felt like I couldn't do it because my other two daughters needed me. And I didn't want, Jamie was 16 to come home from school and, fi- and, and my other daughter, Rhiannon, and, and where's mom? Oh, they lost their sister. And now my mother's in, in a facility.
1: Right, I know you really do feel like you're going crazy, though. I mean, there's no question.
2: Your your
1: mind just isn't thinking the way it. Sh- you feel like it should be, and it's just the grief. It just becomes so all encompassing that you can't think clearly. You can't do things clearly, and you feel like I've lost it. I, you know, I'm I've lost my daughter, but now I've lost me.
2: Well, I wrote. I actually. Did some writing after Carly died, cooking my way through grief. Mm -hmm. And one of the pieces is The Stranger. Mm -hmm. And it was about how I became a stranger to myself, my family, my neighbors, my friends. I mean, I literally felt like I had to rebirth myself into how do I live this life without my daughter ever coming through the front door again? Right. Without... Ever hearing, hey mom, try this pizza or just her. I mean, and it's not that one child is is more meaningful than another, any child. It it is a profound loss that I never knew these feelings could have even existed. Oh. Within Mm -hmm. and so just ended up, you know, at work there was no compassion it was a new job I started. The people didn't know me. And I feel like didn't really care to know me because I feel that when you lose a child, some people don't even want to touch that. Right. I think some people think it could be contagious. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, geez, you know, I don't want to go there.
1: Well, you just don't even want to think about it as a possibility. Yeah. And if you acknowledge that it could happen to someone else, then you are actually acknowledging that it, it it could happen to you as well and that's just too scary for people to
2: think about mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i've i have another friend who lost her son and we share a friend and that friend has drifted <laughs> because that's when i say contagious it's like oh my god these two people that both lost their kids it, it's so odd and so i think it made her feel a certain way i don't know you don't know yeah but i i couldn't get comfort at work i couldn't get comfort unfortunately through very old friends, Mm -hmm. um, my friend circle has changed. Yeah. And just going to the grocery store became totally strange for me Mm -hmm. because I would see people that I always saw, but then there's the person that, you know, the mother that lost her child.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you get the look, you get the look look,
2: like, Oh God, I don't know what to say to her. Let me go the other way. You feel it.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm just going to pretend like I don't even see her. Mm -hmm.
2: and that happens and I don't want to say that all of it was bad because Mm -hmm. I had some very good people in my life one of Carly's friends wrote a book really about mm -hmm, the adventures of Charlie my rescue dog and so it's dedicated to Carly and the proceeds go to people that can't afford treatment in addiction and it goes to animal rescue
1: oh wow
2: and yeah, I've had very good people in my life as well. Very good. And I, I never take that for granted. All of her friends brought bought us uh butterfly bushes for our yard, many. So it's like a sanctuary here. Just the beauty in people and from people you don't expect. I mean, yeah. meet somebody two days ago and they become instantly your friend because of their compassion or because they've walked on this journey.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: I found myself thinking about that a lot. I know I told you this, but as of this recording, so Andy's birthday is tomorrow. And I didn't even know how I'd be doing today. And in fact, last night I cried myself to sleep. I mean, I just, it was just so overwhelming. And what's hard too is like, I don't know what to do. And I think back to even friends that were still close in the first year or two that I would have turned to, I feel like I can't now. And because we've just fallen apart and I mean, not, not like falling apart, but like we've just grown apart, I would say. And that I feel like people that I used to be close to were kind of there right at the beginning, but now they're just backing off. Now I just don't see them anymore. And so I'm, I'm going to spend some time with another mom who lost her daughter because I feel like that's those are the only people that like get me now, you know and <laughs> and i and I miss that, and I'm so sad about that and i I mean that was part of my tears yesterday was over the fact that who I thought two years ago that I would be able to turn to I can't
2: now and 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 it is very difficult because especially. Almost eight years into this, Mm -hmm. people will not want you to bring it up because you're supposed to be past that by now.
1: Yep. You're supposed to be
2: over it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that you, I carry Carly with me everywhere and I miss her. We just had a surprise party for my, my youngest daughter, Jamie graduated college and every, I, because we live in a small town, the cemetery where Carly's buried is on your way into town and out on the main drag. So you have to yes. pass it. Right. I yelled out the window on the way home from the surprise party. We missed you, Carly, like we always do. And, you know, it, in everything you do, both my girls got married.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and the other odd thing is that Carly was 23 and both of my girls and her cousins have surpassed 23. Mm-hmm. So where Carly was the oldest, she is now in the spiritual world, the youngest. Yeah. Which is strange. Yep.
1: I had that day go past last November when my son okay. Peter became older than Andy. I mean, he's not, Peter's not yet 15, but I like counted to the days right and knew exactly which day Peter was going to be older than Andy. And yeah. Andy should be 17. And that that's just crazy to me to think, you know, but he should be 17. Yeah.
2: I- Absolutely. And what he would be doing and, you know, right. where would he be going with his life? Right. I mean, for-
1: he should be lining up his senior year of high school classes. And,
2: and yes. you know,
1: I'm thinking to myself, was he, would he be finishing up ground school? And because he, you know, he's in an aviation school, he was going to be a pilot, he would be getting uh-huh. ready to start. You know, flying. It's crazy. Ah, man, it's just so hard. It's just so hard.
2: And I don't think people realize too, and you're you're absolutely right, it's phases in life that you think about Andy and what he would be doing. And for Carly, who would be you know, was 30, all her friends are now married with little children. And Carly always wanted a simple life with a little house and I'll never forget, she's wanted a garden and she wanted to sew her own curtains and it's painful to see her friends, honestly. I I care about them very much, but it, you know, when you're on social media, you can't help but be reminded of where your child would be at this Mm -hmm. stage in life. Like you said, Andy graduating and
1: yeah. I know I got to save the date from uh, somebody that was a year ahead of Andy, but had been good friends with him in choir and got to save the date for his graduation party. And I thought, if you think there's any chance I am coming to that graduation party, you've got another thing coming. I like there is no way I can do that. Like not even possible. That date is not being saved. I'm sorry, but it's it's painful to even see the pictures on Facebook, let alone to like go to a graduation party. I'm not going to be able to do that.
2: No, and I was thinking about that. There are things that people wanted us to do. For instance, the restaurant Carly worked in is no longer that restaurant. Mm -hmm. The owner closed it down finally, and it's a new restaurant. So friends wanted to meet me there. (laughs) Now, my husband and I would walk the dogs past the restaurant. It's a one-mile town. Carly would always come flying out. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. And, you know, play with our dogs. Mm -hmm. And we ate there. Lots of weekends, she was our waitress, and I cannot sit in that space. I don't care if they burn it to the ground and rebuild it.
1: Right. right.
2: It's still the restaurant on Main Street where Carly worked, and people just didn't get it. Oh, it's repainted. It's something new. Uh, there are things I could not do that I did before. I just couldn't do it, and I was tired of explaining myself to people. Right. Of why I couldn't. People didn't get it. Right.
1: Right. Right? Well, I don't understand I, I remember too that uh, there was just even last year. Well, not this past year, because we didn't have a Christmas party because of the pandemic, but the office Christmas party the year before last. So Andy had been gone what sixteen sixteen months, and the office is having a Christmas party. And you know, Andy died on his way, our way to an office party for me. So we were having our our white caps, the minor league baseball team, our office had rented out one of these decks and we were having a party there for my office. And so, you know, one of the nurses said, you coming to the Christmas party? Like, no. 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 I'm not coming to the Christmas party. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, but you're doing so well. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am not going to a Christmas party. I don't know that I will be able to go to an office event like that again I don't they don't even think about the idea of Andy died on his way to an office party right I can't go to an office party I just now. can't maybe someday I can I like the Whitecaps of baseball I don't think I'll ever be able to do that and that was one of the things Andy loved more than the and anything in the world is going to those baseball games you know it's just some things are just too hard they are and i don't have to like i shouldn't have to explain myself every single time that this is just too difficult but you do you do
2: yeah and i i do i find that the in this whole thing was not only trying to find out the relentlessness of the grief and 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 then explaining yourself to people and you know i was walking this tightrope of trying to be normal, um, I remember I went to a church to uh, cook for people mm-hmm. that the church would fill the refrigerator with food for people that were needy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this is great. I love to cook. It's going to be women. I'm going to go in and chop and dice and prepare this food. And we're all in there. And I I was praying that nobody would ask me how many children I had. Yes. right. Okay? i said that
1: prayer so many times. hmm
2: yeah and it's people don't understand i should be the new me doesn't just go and do anything anymore i'm subjected to things that i project that are going to happen do you know before they happen because this is now my experience right mm-hmm. so instead of just getting in the car and going to do this cooking event it was when i get there with all these women please don't ask me how many children i have and so far it was going well we were just talking and chopping. And I didn't know any of these women. It was a different church. I was asked to do it. Uh, I'm sorry, I knew one woman. But anyway, so all of a sudden, the lady next to me looks over to me and she said, how many children do you have? Now, we're all chopping and we're all in this kitchen. And I said, well, I, I you know, I get nervous. I start stuttering. I don't know how to. And then when I said I lost my oldest daughter, the whole kitchen stopped chopping. Yes and looked at me and they did a gasp Mm -hmm. and you know their necks were like oh my gosh what happened Mm -hmm. and then I wanted to run in my car I wanted to just drop the knife that I was chopping and get in my car and leave yeah I did I just didn't know where I belonged any anymore
1: right
2: friends of ours took us to a concert after Carly died I did not want to go but the pressure yeah so we get in the car, and one of Carly's favorite songs was on the radio. And I said, oh, this was one of Carly's favorite songs. And my friend said, well, that didn't take long. And I said, what didn't take long? And they said, for you to talk about Carly. And right then and there, it had only been a month and a half. And I thought, am I never going to be able to talk? about?" it? Yeah. People want to get your mind off of it
1: hmm.
2: As if it's possible. Right. I know. Yeah.
1: It's hard. It's in some ways it can be nice when you are around people that you don't know at all that you can say little stories like I will say little stories about Andy that are funny little stories. And I know that if they don't know me and they don't know that he's gone, they'll laugh about it and they'll think it's a fun little story and I love being able to do that because if it's someone that I know who knows that Andy's gone there are a few that I can still tell that story and that will be okay with it but the vast majority of them will completely like you know gasp that I dared bring up my dead child and I don't know (laughs) so it's this weird kind of balance that you have to
2: have right? It is. I say it is like walking a tightrope. You know, you don't know if you're safe to bring. I've, you know, I have a friend I brought, she brought up some kind of a drink she was making. And I said, oh, I said, Carly, she loved to make, you know, basil lemon drop Mm -hmm. martinis. And in fact, had made my girlfriend that very drink. And when I brought her name up, she said, all right, well, I'm going to get going. And (laughs) I'm in my car and I'm thinking I get, I get off and I just want to cry.
1: Right, right.
2: You know? Like you can talk about your
1: other two daughters and no one panics and freaks out. Right, right. Why is that a taboo subject? It's just terrible. Ugh. It is.
2: It sends you further into isolation for sure. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I did take a step back. Finally in life, I left my job.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't care if we had a scale back on... Hot dogs and beans. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I had a, I was in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And I had to take a break from society. So I started taking walks in nature. And I had a very profound spiritual experience when Carly died.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The next morning, I was up very early. I would say at the break of dawn. And I came out on my porch. You know, I was still in disbelief. Right. Now, I rescued wildlife. We're very big in nature and wildlife animals. All the neighbors used to bring me their, you know, little birds with broken wings and things like that. You know, I had raised a couple of wild birds. Mm -hmm. So one day, well, I don't want to get off track here. One day there was a red tail hawk and Mm -hmm. it was in the driveway and they're big. Yeah. And it had a broken wing. So now I'm out trying to catch them with a comforter. And put him in the dog crate in the back of my car to take him to the wildlife center. Mm-hmm. So I'm chasing him all over. And I finally get him. And I have my garden gloves on because they have sharp talons. Mm-hmm. And I wrangle him, or whatever, into the back of the car. So Carly said to me, she said, Mom, I'm going to start calling you the bird wrangler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: I rescued the hawk. So the morning after Carly died, I'm on the breezeway and I'm looking out. And this big bird flies under my porch to me. And the wingspan was so big, it rustled my hair Wow! on my ears. And I put my arm over my head to duck down. I thought it was a brown duck that had flown under my porch. Mm Mm-hmm. And I look up and the bird flew to the tree in front of me and sat there and stared at me. And it was a red-tailed hawk. And I can't even tell you the exchange, the glance from eye to eye that this red-tailed hawk flew to me Mm
0: -hmm.
2: was so spiritual. I knew it was my daughter. I knew it was her telling me. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I felt it. And the red tail hawk just sat there staring at me. It was incredible. So I knew my connection with nature was going to be my signs. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened.
1: Yeah.
2: And a year to the day of the hearing, after Carly passed away, the court hearing, I went to the cemetery and I said, Carly, I am so sorry that I couldn't save you and that yeah. you weren't saved. And I walked back to my car and I sometimes let myself follow my gut where I should go. And something told me to go to the back of the cemetery. And I did. And mm-hmm. there was a red tail hawk sitting on a bench by itself. And I got out of the car and I walked up to it and she stared at me. And then she flew real low to the ground around me in a circle and flew off.
1: That's beautiful.
2: It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, the signs are not something you actively search out. They come to you when you most need them. And it's the timing It's the timing of the sign. My daughter Rhiannon got married and we had her bridal shower. And of course, you know, Carly's not in the wedding. She's not the maid of honor. She's, you know, and it's, it's difficult. My daughter's in-laws are wonderful people, but they never knew Carly. Right. 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 So I'm worried about how we're going to figure Carly into the wedding. You know, I mean, it's, it's a shame, but you want them known. Yeah. And um, the day after my daughter's bridal shower, out front, monarch butterflies roosted in my yard. The entire bush had at least 50 to 100 monarchs on them. And my daughter and I shook the bush and they all went up in the air, orange monarchs all around us. And I knew it was Carly. Yeah, giving a celebration for her sister. I've never seen anything like it. It was incredible. I have it on video. My daughter was taken with it. It was, I always, Carly and our children are literally a breath away when you think about it. One yeah. breath. It's such a thin veil. And once I got into nature, my daughters got me uh, a camera for my birthday mm-hmm. and everything just became in nature, my Bible and what God puts before us is beauty and things that in our everyday lives, you know, it can be bittersweet that we ignore. We don't see the beauty. I mean, I look at a Robin taking a bath in my bird bath, and I just stand there staring at her. It's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I have had profound experiences with signs with Carly. Um, Another one was last spring. I went to the cemetery again, timing. I just pulled in. It's down the street and it was very windy and very cold. And I got out of the car and I just did a quick trip to her, you know, kiss the stone. She's a a butterfly Mm -hmm. was very meaningful to Carly. She loved mm-hmm. butterflies, and that's what her I called her headboard of her garden mm-hmm. is a butterfly sculpture. So I went up and I, you know, just said a prayer to her and, you know, got in my car. I don't go there all the time, it's just sporadic. And when I was leaving, this white piece of paper was blowing around my car, and I was going to pick it up. And I thought, I don't feel like picking up the trash. I'm cold, it's windy. And then the guilt got to me. So I ran over and I'm trying to catch this white paper. So I turned the white paper over and it is the inscription on Carly's stone, which is, and it's tattered. It's old. I don't know where it came from. And it was right blowing around my car. Why at that moment? And I could not believe when I turned it over, Carly's inscription on the back of her stone is very rare. It's not. What does it say? It says, a butterfly lights beside us like a sunbeam. For a brief moment, its glory and beauty belong to our world. But then it flies on again. And although we wish it could have stayed, we are thankful to have seen it at all. So, and that's something else I thought of in my grief. I thought would I've rather never had Carly and just two children that were going to live. Cause no, this is god awful pain. Yes. In the beginning, my therapist calls them stugs, sudden temporary upsurges of grief mm-hmm. and they'll last the rest of your life, but they're not as long in duration and as intense. So in the beginning, you can't stop crying. You know the pit in your stomach, thank God the sharp edges of grief soften somewhat, you know,
1: yeah,
2: I forget where I was going with that. I'm sorry,
1: no, I was just thinking though too, yeah, i'm I'm like last night I told you I cried myself to sleep, but I'm so glad I don't do that every night anymore because I used to
2: exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's very um physically training on your body. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, like I said, it's a pain I never even knew existed that you could have this person. I could be driving down the street and a, a song will come on, and I'll just burst out into tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it just wasn't part of my life before to do something like that.
1: Right? Yeah, but you had said, would you have rather had just had oh, that's what I was, yeah. and not not go through the pain. Right.
2: Because the pain is so horrific. You know, you just want to get away from it. And, um, you don't even like in the beginning, I, I hated waking up in the morning when Carly died. Mm -hmm. I I didn't, I, you know, and it it doesn't mean that everyone, you have two other children. I know that more than anybody. (laughs) Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You don't even need to remind me. I know that. Yes.
2: (laughs) I'm still here. So yeah, to, um, but i say to myself yes i would have gone through this pain to have known my daughter because she was a gift yes and she added so much to everybody's life that certainly uh, i miss her every single day certainly i would have had her for the 23 years
1: yeah it's worth it it's worth all the all the pain all the suffering all that you have to go through it was still worth it mm-hmm. because you got to have them
2: exactly you
1: got to have them exactly And it's not the end either. And that's the beautiful thing of seeing little bits of Carly and you thinking about it is, I know you said at the beginning that it's hard because every day takes you a little further away from Carly. And those memories, some of those memories start to fade a little bit. But I know I recently spoke with someone that reminded me that every day also brings me closer to Andy. So even though every day I'm further away... And another way, every day, I'm a little bit closer. And some days it just doesn't seem like I'm close enough. But yeah, <laughs> but every day does bring me closer.
2: Yeah, and well, and I think it's true. At the end of the day, your last breath will be Andy's hand and breath with waiting for you. So I'm no longer afraid to die. Any fears I had have just totally gone away. I mean, you know, I know. <laughs> Right. But then my two girls life and, you know, like we say, friends and people change. If my daughters ask me to do something, which we're very close, I'm there in a minute because I know that tomorrow's not promised. And I want to be the best mother I can for my girls. And Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to be here and be their mother still. Because when I look back in the beginning, I just was out of my mind. Yeah. That's all I can say.
1: And you feel like you're a bad mom yeah. <laughs> to your remaining kids. I have to say, I've, I've gone through that a lot to just feel like, wow,
2: I am now,
1: not only do I only have two living kids, I'm like a bad mom to the ones <laughs> that I have left. So
2: right. And, and so exactly. And your podcasts, I mean, I listen to them that apply eight years later to me. I am mm-hmm. so, I wish they were there for me, you know. Something like this, I did have a support group, which was very helpful. Mm -hmm. But the podcast, when I hear the mothers, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was me. And that's true. And when you said you didn't think anything bad could happen to you again because you had lost your mother from cancer in college Mm -hmm. and your father, I felt that way because my husband lost his mother on his seventh birthday from cancer. Right. And then his mm-hmm. father died by suicide when he was 19. So I thought my husband was clearly paid his dues, if that's what you right. call it. Right. <laughs> right. So
1: so you're in in connection with him. You're going to be good, I, right? Because. because
2: losing his first child would not be some or any child would not be something that would happen to my husband. How, right. how much can one person take? Yeah, yeah. I listened to your podcast about that, which then even made, see, then I had, because of the post-traumatic stress from the phone call and just the living through all of this, I was afraid something was going to happen to another one of my, my children. Of course, I couldn't help it when they would walk out the door, text me, you know, finally they put me in my place and they said, mom, you're giving us anxiety. Like we are not, you know, we need to live our own lives. And so I had to back off, which was another thing. So you're worried, but you're going to back off.
1: Yeah, that's hard to do.
2: Oh, it's very hard to do. And uh, my husband, he's opposite of me. He doesn't speak of Carly. Um, He's a very quiet man. And so, you know, I was alone in my anxiety. I, you know, I didn't want to put things on. Yeah, I have a funny story about our support group. So I was having a bad day about Carly and I was cooking dinner. And my husband came home from work and, you know, he could tell something was wrong. And he said, are you all right? And I just started crying. And I said, I miss Carly. And he went over to the pan that I was cooking and he lifted up the lid and he goes, "Oh, are you making pork chops? (laughs) We were hysterical in my support group because he just, you know, he, he knew I was sad, but he didn't. <laughs> and He didn't know what to say.
0: <laughs> right.
2: So, you know, he's just lifted up that lid. and He said, oh, you made pork chops? And I thought, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> Not the right thing to say. No. no. There. Uh-uh. No. Mm-hmm. I think even last night, you know, I told you I was crying myself to sleep. My husband just held me and he said nothing. And I think that ended up. I mean, I sort of wanted him to say something, but I think it ended up really being the best thing because I think he had no idea what to say, and he thought if I just hold her, yeah, you know. So I think that's what he just didn't know what to do, so he didn't say anything. And sometimes that's the best thing, I think, to just not say anything and just be there. Yeah,
2: and my husband will do that. You know, he'll hug me and he'll say, "I always tell you, it's me and you against the world." And I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you do become obviously a different, different people. And mm-hmm. it's just part of what this loss does to you. Yeah, And um, it's unfortunate. And um, I don't think people realize, uh, you know, the people that say I would never get out of bed again.
1: Yeah, you don't know. You have to. You have to.
2: And maybe some people wouldn't. I don't know. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm blown away by the people that say. I don't know how you do it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, right. I don't know how I do it either. But you just do. There isn't really a choice. Right. You just do. So it's it's almost a silly thing to say. Like, I just I just don't know how you do it. I just I just admire you so much. Like, what? I just have to get up and keep going. There's really nothing to admire here. There was isn't really much of a choice. So well, and it, we
2: talked about in our support group, and believe it or not, it says grief support group on the door but you might hear us in there laughing so hard we have tears coming out of our eyes sure because we were going to write a book on cliches of grief Uh uh-huh you know god needed another flower only the good die young you're so strong people tell you how oh yeah people tell you how you're feeling without asking yeah oh i know people say how are you you look good they don't even give you time to answer. So what, what people what people are saying is I really don't want to delve into this with you, you know. But it's the polite thing to ask. So
1: I'm going to ask how you're doing, but then I'm going to tell you how you look. Exactly. So
2: Right. Or you look good or you know, um just Really? uh Or like even with the girls getting married, I somebody said, you must be so excited, so excited. Like, oh, my gosh, you just must be over the top. And again, and then disappeared in the food store. Like, in other words, I'm going to tell you that you should be excited and over the top, right. which I was. Don't get me wrong. Right. Things are never 100% when you're missing your child. No, they never are.
1: Never again. I mean, not that you don't have happy times. I've had oh times. yeah, a very happy times. Yeah, but but everything is tempered just a little bit because you always have that little that in the background. It's just that that loss that's there with you always. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and then you know you have. I had grief competition, so that's what I call oh, yeah. it. <laughs> Somebody, you know, uh, somebody, you know, you lost your child, and said, "Oh, I know, I, I lost so and so." You know, that person lived. Right. That person lived a full life. They were ninety.
1: Yeah, I know. You know, so
2: know. so people want to relate, and then it's just the whole thing is, yeah, it's a definitely interesting.
1: Yeah, it is. It is very much interesting. <laughs> it is well. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I have so enjoyed talking to you Renee and I feel like you have so many little tidbits that I am going to take with me down my down on my journey. So, yeah. I I know, you know I've said before that I feel like people are put that put in my life at certain moments and you were put in my life at a certain moment for sure because when I looked at the schedule and I saw I had this week open to do an interview. You were the one that I wanted to interview. You really were because I felt like I needed someone that was going to be able to give me some encouragement in a week that was going to be really, really hard for me. And I know just through our little email exchanges, how much encouragement you gave. And it just blew me away. So thank you for being with me this week.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. And um, I will be thinking about you tomorrow and your beautiful son, Andy, and what a voice he has. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcyandysmom.com. At be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.